here and welcome to this week's Frankly Golf podcast. I'm Valerie Melvin here with Frank Thomas and this is podcast number 13, lucky for some. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, this week we are going to be continuing our theme from last week, uh, but we really want to talk about how much has driver technology changed. So over the years, what do you think, Frank? Has driver technology changed a lot over the last 50 years? Well, yeah, the last 50 years it has. Uh, I think uh, there wasn't very much change prior to that. Uh, the introduction of a few uh, innovations, uh, like a steel shaft came in. But uh, other than that, we didn't have too many innovations. But in the last 50 years, there's been a fairly significant change. Well, and what was very interesting, as we promised in last week's uh, podcast, we went and we hit a 50-year-old wooden driver with one of the original graphite shafts that you designed in it, Frank, and did we have fun? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I managed to uh, look in the garage and find uh, the 50-year-old driver, and it was um, a wooden head, a laminated wooden head, the same shape. As the, as the persimmon heads that were used, uh, the McGregor style, the one that Jack Nicholas used out of persimmon, same size, same shape, and yet it had the uh, graphite shaft in it. Very good. So I think to begin with, what we should do is really break down the component parts to discuss each element of the club we tested versus the 2020 era driver that, that we had, that we sort of compared it with. Um, so first of all, the grip. Yeah. The grips have, over the last 50 years, uh, uh, fortunately, the test, the club we tested, we did have a new grip on it. However, the, the, <laughs> it would have been a bit trickier, uh, dangerous right. without The 50-year-old, 50, 50 I mean, the grips that were made 50 years ago, basically the same concept, uh, basically a rubber or some form of that. They've modified the material, and it's now synthetics and or rubber of, of sorts, but it's it's uh, the grip really hasn't changed in structure or feel too much, and uh, so the grip hasn't changed. That that can't be anything to do with improved performance. And then next is the shaft. Obviously, we had one of the original graphite shafts that you developed when you worked for Shakespeare as chief design engineer in 1969, which was filament wound. Right. Uh, well, that was the only way to make a shaft uh, out of composites. Uh, that's the area we, I was in, involved in. That was my specialty. And uh, I designed uh, the shaft uh, out, out of this material called graphite. Uh, it was a very new material. It was only invented initially in 1960. And Union Carbide asked me to try and get it introduced into the consumer market through golf. So I used uh, that material and uh, we designed it uh, to have uh, filament wound so that it would have uh, the fibers within the duration of stress so I could control the torsion properties or the torque on the shaft which is a misnomer but the torque on a shaft as well as the uh, flexural properties. And is it true that you know obviously um, people were trying to come to market after you brought out your original graphite shaft other companies were trying to rush to market with their versions of the graphite shaft and they had a few teething difficulties I, to begin I would say, with yeah and I think that was a problem uh, people didn't really know how to how to design a shaft a composite shaft uh, not very well and uh, they tried to copy the original graphite the original um, filament wound shaft and as a result uh, because they didn't quite understand the 
technical side of it or the science or the engineering side of it, they uh, they screwed it up for a while. And uh, that was for about two or three years and trying to bring it to market. And it got a bad name. Graphite got a bad name for the first five years, first three or four years. Uh, and then suddenly, I mean, that did change because then they perfected it and there were about four or five manufacturers of graphite shafts at that time. So the 1969 44-inch stiff shaft performed well because it was about half the weight of the compatible steel shaft. And it was compatible. Do you believe it was compatible to the 2020 graphite shaft, which was 45 and a half inches that we used in this experiment, hitting both clips? Right, right. Uh, the shaft was about the same weight, uh, maybe a little heavier than the, the modern shaft, not very much. Uh, but it did have good, very good uh, uh, properties, steel property, and and so the, the the graphite shaft itself wasn't going to be the difference in the performance between the twenty twenty driver and the and the nineteen sixty nine or nineteen seventy driver. Right now, the club head, um, obviously, the big difference really was it's a laminated wooden club head that's very very small. <laughs> right, relatively speaking, relatively, very small. It's like yeah, it's almost like the size of a today's five wood, right. or maybe a three wood, but probably more like a five wood. Um, but you know, do you believe it was similar in performance to the heads that were used by people on the tour at that time, like Jack Nicholas? Well, yeah, Jack's head was uh, exactly the same. Most of the heads uh, during that period of time were carved, and they all had the same shape. That was the, called the pear shape. A wooden driver, and Jack's was made of uh, persimmon, uh, and uh, the were, were the club we tested was a laminated head, but it had the similar performance and had an insert in it, a cyclac insert, and that was screwed into the club face, and there had four screws in that thing. That's that's the where the term came in. When you hit it right on the screws, meant you hit it right in the, in the middle of the club face, yeah. and it performed well. And there were actually screws. There are screws. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I suppose the other difference is the COR. I mean, the, the wooden head, the 1960s driver we tested out, um, has obviously a much less um, measure of COR. Well, uh, a lower COR. Yeah. Uh, coefficient of restitution. Yeah, and and, and uh, so that, that uh, didn't have a spring-like effect. Uh, the ball speed was uh, totally due to the resilience of the ball and obviously the mass of the head and the speed of the head. But if the head didn't itself contribute to the co coefficient of restitution uh, as far as the spring-like effect is concerned. And, yeah, I mean, today's club heads, the titanium driver, the 2020 titanium driver we used, I mean, the COR is 0.83, so there's definitely a difference there. Yeah, um, but, but that there was a reason for that is because it was made of titanium, and the head itself, the face itself, uh, uh, you know, de uh, deforms and then comes back during that period of time that impact uh, lasts, which is a very short period of time, but it comes back and it, and it actually gives the ball a little bit of a boost. So let's get to the results of our um, hitting test that we conducted. I would say from my observations, I was a little bit nervous getting such a historic piece of equipment out and uh, letting rip with it on the driving range. <laughs> Partly because I was kind of scared the head might fly off the shaft or something dramatic might happen, but none of those things happened. It performed beautifully, in fact. Um, I would say 
Um, but the thing I noticed most was the ability to control the launch conditions of the driver. It was um, a lot more, you really had to focus and concentrate on that aspect of launch, whereas with today's driver, that just kind of happens automatically. You don't have to be so concerned about it. Right. Also, you have to recognise that the T height was different, and here we're hitting off the T, and you knowing that you now tee the ball a little higher than we had to do it in in the 1970s. Uh, you uh, that was a, a, an effect, but also you needed quite a bit of talent to hit the ball very well. A driver, and you had a loft of them where the loft was between nine and ten degrees maximum, ten degrees. Actually, the lofts were less than that, but. Uh, uh, the drivers were, were were not very easy to hit. But I also think I was surprised really at um, how accurate it was. Like I didn't find a huge difficulty in, you know, hitting it straight. It didn't seem like I was getting big slices or big hooks. You, you or... didn't, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but about, did you, but about, did you yeah. think it was, uh, you did no, a bit no, more variation? No, I, I, I don't think so. I think uh, if, if you hit the ball in the sweet spot, you get a beautiful shot. It's a wonderful sound, and 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 uh, when I say wonderful, it depends on on you know. Wonderful depends on on the performance. You can always get used to a sound if it performs well. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. So, but 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 the uh, it was it was a low trajectory, and and the ball ran a lot further. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, so, the, but the um, it, it's just a, a, a not a very easy club to hit no. compared to today. Right, it was definitely um, required concentration, and I think you're absolutely right, Frank. It's a lower trajectory, and you get much, you get a lot more run out of it. Um, overall distance, I would say it was definitely a bit shorter. Yeah, the overall distance has got to be about uh, oh, twenty yards, twenty-five yards shorter, uh, somewhere in that neighbourhood. You know, we didn't have all the data, all the experimental. Uh, people out there to take all the data but that's what it, what it seemed to be and based on on information we do have on the um, equipment that is available today you'll find out that that was basically the case yeah no I, I really really enjoyed it and I'm glad we did it but I think it's interesting because when you look at the you know the different terms and um, you know the the driver obviously the moment of inertia is much lower the coefficient of restitution is much lower. Um, but, you know, what, when we talk about these terms, Frank, what exactly is moment of inertia, MOI? Well, For people who've maybe heard the term, but right. kind of know what it is, but, you know, specifically. Right. Well, um, moment of inertia is the resistance to angular acceleration, uh, which means uh, to start it or stop turning it, uh, a club with a high moment of inertia, is more difficult with a high moment of inertia than it is with a with a low moment of inertia. And uh, as an example, if I had a stick and you had a stick on your shoulders, let's imagine, and you had two weights on the end of the stick and you try to rotate your body, you'll find it reasonably difficult to get started in one direction and to stop and start rotating in the other direction. And ro rotating it back and forth like that will be very, fairly difficult. But now if I move the weights from the end of the stick right closer to my shoulders, and did the same thing, it would be very much easier because you're not having the same sort of inertia that you have in the rotation. And as a result, the the closer you get the weights to the center, 
the lower the moment of inertia, but at the same time, the less forgiving it is. Because if you put the weights on the end of the, of the stick and, and you hit me on the shoulder, I wouldn't turn very quickly. So that's the forgiveness factor. So the high moment of inertia means you've got a more forgiveness. Uh-huh. And does that moment of inertia work from heel to toe and top to bottom of the club? Depends on, on, on the club design. If you get toe heel waiting, then it only works about the vertical axis. If you get toe heel waiting and weight move back and forth from the front to the back, then you get to about a different axis. So it'll be forgiveness in both, you know, toe and heel as well as up and down, as is as is the case with the with the frog putter. Uh huh. Um, and how about the COR um, coefficient of restitution? Well, coefficient of restitution is basically the efficiency of the impact. Because when a club head hits a ball, you're transferring momentum from the club head to the ball and, and, and the energy losses or the efficiency of the impact is measured by the coefficient of restitution. Uh, as an example, uh, if I had a brick wall and I threw a golf ball at it, it's, and again, I threw it at 100 miles an hour at the, golf, at the brick wall, it wouldn't bounce back at 100 miles an hour. If it did, the coefficient of restitution would be one. Right. It bounces back at a speed less than the speed that I approach it. It's the, it's the separation. separation velocity divided by the approach velocity. So the approach velocity being 100 miles an hour, it comes back at 78 miles an hour. You divide 78 into the 100 miles an hour and you get your, your coefficient of restitution of about 0.78. Right. Um, you know, another subject that, you know, we talk about launch with this older driver versus the newer driver. I mean, we've learned so much about optimum launch conditions. So how, how do we know, um, you know, the details of this? Well, in the, mid, in the early to mid-90s, uh, we started developing the indoor test range. The indoor test range was designed to measure the aerodynamic properties of the golf ball. We really didn't know very much about the aerodynamic properties of a golf ball, the lift and drag specifically, and now we had to me actually measure them as a function of the speed of the ball as well as the spin rate of the ball. Right. So once you get that, and, and once you know the speed of the ball and the spin rate of the ball, you can measure in the indoor test range uh, what the lift and drag properties are. Once you have those, then you can optimize in your computer, you can optimize the total maximum distance or the optimum uh, conditions for to get your maximum distance. And that's how we came up with the optimum launch condition. We found out that obviously uh, the persimmon driver, the drivers we were using, couldn't actually launch a ball high enough with a low enough spin. Mm -hmm. So you need a lower spin rate and a higher launch angle that was capable, or you were capable of doing that with the with the um, uh, uh, titanium drivers. Uh -huh. So what do you think, Frank, from our testing of the 50-year-old driver versus today's driver? Well, I think it was very, uh, very interesting and, and uh, really didn't come up with too many surprises. Uh, we found out that uh, the difference in distance uh, for the same uh, club head speed, or approximately same club head speed, was about 15 to 20 yards. And that, that was what we expect, maybe a little bit more than that difference. But uh, the, the new drivers are, are very good. They have a high moment of inertia. They have a high coefficient of restitution. The ball is launched at the optimum launch condition. So that's where we are today. Yeah, no, I, I really, 
appreciated the uh, the benefit and the technology of today's modern drivers. I mean, I loved hitting the older driver, um, but was quite glad to get the uh, the new the newer driver in my hands, um, and glad that we can tee it up with that every time we go out. And it's actually I encourage people to you know, get their hands on an old wooden driver and go out and give it a hit because it's, it's really a lot of fun and it really makes you feel grateful for what you have today. I think people are, are enjoying the game more because of it, but I don't think it's had any really detrimental effect on the game. I think it's made them enjoy the game a little bit more because it was really tough to hit some of those drivers and you had to work your tail off to be able to get it. I know, and it makes you really admire and appreciate the talents that people like Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, um, you know, all those, Arnold Palmer, all these great golfers that have gone before us, um, you know, how hard they worked and how good they really were. It was actually amazing because uh, Jack Nicholas was able to, to hit the ball at 350 yards with a wound ball, not even with a modern ball, and with a wooden head that didn't have spring-like effect, and he didn't even have a graphite shaft in his club and he was able to do that so uh, you, we've got to look back and say you know th- this this individual knows how to play golf absolutely and an interesting question for you Frank so t- from 2020 we went back 50 years hit a 50 year old club if we keep that driver in 50 years time yeah. <laughs> what year will be? It'll be 2070. If you and I go out in 2070, um, if we're both around, of course, um, and hit uh, the driver in 2070, do you think we'll see such a difference in performance? Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. The uh, problem is is that uh, science uh, in, in golf, uh, technology in golf clubs, uh, really started in, in the 70s, the graphite sharp, obviously uh, 1969 and then the 70s all the way up until uh, gradually into the 95 when when the titanium was introduced and then understanding all of the science of ball launch conditions and and we've now absolutely optimized on performance and as far as coefficient of restitution is concerned there is a limit and usga has said and the rna have set a limit but the limit is is uh, like putting a limit of 95 miles an hour when the car can't drive more than 100. And in fact, this is, a, is the problem right now. Uh, we're not going to see any particular advances because of the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, so Mother Nature has, has stopped that same pro- progress and uh, it's flattened the curve. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose that means we just have to work on our swings, work on our flexibility um, work on our uh, well-being and our ability to hit the ball better. I, I think that's true. I, I think we need to learn how to play. We've got the equipment now, and the equipment's not going to improve very much, so now we have to learn how to use it. And that's one of the reasons why we actually developed the Certified Putting Instructor course to try and teach people how to learn putting, how to learn how to use the putter. We've got a very good putter, but you have to learn how to use the putter. And that is, is the most important thing. And similarly with all the rest of the club, teachers should really work on how to, you know, hit the ball more effectively. We've got to have course design, which is modified a little bit, and we've got to start enjoying ourselves on the golf course more. That's great. Well, listen, I hope everyone enjoyed that this week. We will be back in touch next week, but until then... May the frog be with you. <laughs>